We all love to hear players tell the untold stories from their time at Goodison Park. Sometimes great stories can come from life after Everton as well. In a new series for the official Everton podcast, we look to unearth a little bit of both. I'll be speaking to an intriguing list of former Blues about the highs and the lows they experienced on Merseyside and those they encountered once fate had taken their careers and lives down a different path. My first guest of the series spent three seasons at Goodison and left just three months after playing for the Blues in an FA Cup final. There was plenty to talk about as Jolian Lescott recalled his Everton memories and the circumstances surrounding his 2009 switch to Manchester City. Jolian, thanks very much indeed for joining us on the uh, official Everton podcast. Let's go back to your Everton beginning. When when David Moyes signed you, it was famously reported that he, he watched you about 23 times. <laughs> Is that how you recall it? Well, that was in one season. I think the total amount was like 54 times over two years. I think it was something like that. Um, but obviously, that, back then, he wasn't, that, that wasn't known until... It wasn't known until I came to Everton, so... I was I wasn't aware I was on the radar of Everton like obviously playing for um for Wolves you just kind of go out there to do your thing and hopefully someone's watching but I wasn't unaware that that we um, Everton were watching. How how did that make you feel at the time? Did you think to yourself, "Wow, this guy's had to watch me thirty or forty times a year"? No, no, it, I didn't. Wasn't aware. I didn't think of it in any way. I just I was aware that I'd obviously come back from injury, so. There was going to be a certain amount of speculation around it, um, but yeah, um, like I wasn't thinking or dwelling on the amount of times or the amount of number of games they'd watched. I know clubs obviously do them things, but to what extent I'm, I'm unaware of. Were you impressed by David Moyes when you first met him, Jolie? Because he speaks well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, um, got to meet him um, before I signed, and um, again, it, it, I was. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never kind of had a conversation with a manager that I hadn't worked with, obviously. Um, so I didn't know who was selling what to who. Was I trying to convince him to sign me or was he trying to convince me to join the club? So it was a genuine conversation that kind of just developed. And you can see his passion for the game, obviously, straight away. And I, I just wanted to kind of showcase my passion, how much I loved playing and, and working hard and trying to improve. I remember when you first joined Everton Football Club, you, you seemed to take to Everton straight away. You, you, you walked into the training ground with the, right, this is the place for me attitude. Yeah, well, it was strange because inside I wasn't feeling like that, to be honest. Like, if I could have, if I could have gone back after, after the Watford game, I would have gone back. The first weeks and that were fine. And then I got ill. I got uh, an illness and it kept me out for like 10 days. And I lost like a lot of weight, um, and then I came back. I think my first game was against Celtic, and uh, then we went on tour. And the tour wasn't necessarily great for me in terms of the games. And when I came back, I just wasn't didn't feel myself. And then I started getting rumours that I started hearing conversations or little comments that I wasn't ill. I wasn't like I was faking it, and that was like what? Like obviously, no one knows me enough at the time to kind of know that wasn't the case. Um, so I kind of then was in my mindset was like, these guys think I'm, 
I'm just here on like on a holiday kind of thing. So that was kind of strange and that. But yeah, then obviously I didn't start the season. Came on, um, came on that game. Uh, and it was just like, came on left back, obviously. I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss that, but I'd never played there before. And after that game, I remember um, we won the game and getting home and getting a little bit of a stick from a fan. And I'm thinking, this, this ain't for me now. This like literally that day I was thinking, if I could go back, I could go back, but luckily, like any player will tell you, the faster you have another game, the better it is. And it was Blackburn on the, the Tuesday or the Wednesday. And then I came on at half time in a centre half position. And I think my first contribution to that was heading a goal kick. They had a goal kick and I headed it back out for a goal kick. I was that determined to win the header. I headed it back over everyone to and then that was kind of, that settled me down and then the rest is history kind of thing. How close were you to going up today with Moyes and saying, "Listen, let's let's call this a day. I've made the mistake. I'd rather go back to Wolves." No, nah, that was never that was never going to happen. Never. That wasn't like I didn't think of a way to make it happen. I just thought if it didn't happen, would I be disappointed having? And it wasn't. I'm not. I don't think it was the Everton. I don't. I think that would have been anywhere. I was like, I'd come through the youth team at Wolves. I'd always been kind of been able to settle in because people arriving at the club had to adapt to kind of us as a group and I was that was the first time I was kind of like having to do that so that was that was new I was obviously moving away from home me and my now wife obviously at the time we were moving away from Birmingham which we'd lived to for our lives and it was it was different it was just different I'd never kind of experienced of all them things at one time so that was just a, a thought that I had oh yeah I could definitely go back was there a discussion with you and the staff to ask you to play left back, or did uh, David Moyes just say, "Right, <laughs> you're playing left back"? Yeah, that was it. Like, obviously, the first, the first time it happened, obviously, was just the opening game of the season, and then luckily for me, the next what, I think, fifteen so games, it was centre half, and then I remember thinking about it was going to happen. It was Sheffield United at home, and. Uh, a weird little memory about the games and stuff. And uh, I remember thinking Nuno and Gary Naismith were injured. He's going to ask me to play. But at that time, I was in a totally different mindset. I was confident in the way I was playing. I believed um, I could offer something, not necessarily the same standard as, as Nuno and Gary, but I just believed I could do that. So when he came to me, he didn't, I don't, well, he didn't even get the words out. He went to tell me that was going to happen. I went, no problem, not a problem, I'll do it. And that was it. And then I remember enjoying that game playing there, like being able to run forward and kind of get up and down the line, which is not something I was obviously used to. And then as it went on, I kind of realised, like I had aspirations of playing for England and stuff and knowing that I wasn't going to gonna kind of move Ashley Cole. Like Ashley Cole is probably the greatest English left back. For, for me, he's the greatest English left back. So to kind of get him out of the team in a position I'm, I've only been playing for 10 games, is not realistic where if I go centre-half, I know we had great centre-halves at the time, England-wise, but I felt more confident in that. So at the end of that season, my first season, um, I remember calling David Moyes and uh, Alan Irvine, who again, got a, another person I got a massive respect for, and saying, what's the plan? It was like mid-June, and um phoned the gaffer and said, oh, what's the script for next season, basically? Um, am I, am I going to be playing left-back or am I going to be playing centre-half? And he was like... I appreciate your call, shows me that you're you, you focused and that. I said, yeah. And he was like, you're going to be playing centre-half, don't worry. I said, 
that's all I need to hear. Fine. So we then we go to where did we go then? We went to LA. Went to California, and um, I don't know what the team was. I don't even know if there was a real team, but it was the uh, it was like an arranged game at the at the training ground where we were training, and um, obviously the teams are like muddled up. So starters and young lads and stuff, and then we were losing two 0 and I come on the second half and uh, I come on left back, which again didn't mind, wasn't focused about. I knew we didn't have. I think. Gary had left after my first season. Yeah, so I knew we only had one. So I knew I was going to come on left back anyway. And it wasn't a problem. Nuno had played the first. I was playing the second. And then within 15 minutes, I've set up two and, and hit the bar or something like that. And then as we're going back to the second goal, as we're running back to the uh, the halfway line, Lee Carsley's gone to me. You know you're playing left back this season. Laughing, laughing his head off. And I was just gone, you're joking, mate, whatever. Just like, side palmed it off and then after the game the gaffers called me and uh we're walking back to the coach and he's saying got a, like there's a situation um can buy a left back got some and obviously we know at this time we know we linked with, with, with Bainesy um and he's saying but if you tell me you want to play there I won't sign him and I said sign him sign him because I don't want to play there and I think that was kind of the start or a period where we didn't get on then. Me and me and David Moyes was just like, it was uncomfortable. There wasn't kind of like, it wasn't like before, shall I just say. It was, wasn't like before, just after that back of that conversation. Well, in, in that season, you were primarily bought as a defender, obviously, but you scored goals. You had a good goal scoring record. Did, did that help you to grow within the dressing room? Because it, it, there, was some, there were some big characters in the dressing room. Did that, did that help push you on a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I, I, the probably biggest thing that made me grow in a dressing room was remember we went to my first season when we went to New York and we went on that like team bonding thing. It was a great trip because again, this was kind of made me. This was probably the original biggest thing or the one singular thing that made me feel part of the group. Obviously, we had um, sessions and stuff like that, and then he kind of gave us some recreational time, and I took the responsibility to organise them events, so restaurants, meals nights out and I thought yeah I want to I want to do it and even though we had Tim obviously Tim Howard who was from America I, I took the responsibility and I think after that that was when the lads embraced me a little bit more and I was like I've done this and, and and that just like made me feel part of everything then so then it was like oh it was it was nothing there was there was no incident that could have affected our anyone's relationship with me or the, or mine with there so in terms of the goals going into the next season um Again, it's something I'd done. Obviously, Wolves had scored a few goals. I wasn't a goal scorer, you know what I mean, obviously. Um, and that was probably the time where, I said, getting forward a lot more, having played full-back and just picking up positions and just being a nuisance, really. And then, what was it? The, the Metalist game. I think I think that was my fifth goal of the season. And I don't think that was like long into the season. Like two weeks before that, Tim Howard... Put, uh, asking me do I want to bet that I wouldn't score five goals this season I think he was doing it to kind of encourage me to score five you know what I mean so that was my fifth goal and I think you'll see a little gesture to him in that celebration <laughs> I remember you scored in both legs against Metalist Kharkiv and, and although we only got to the last 16 that year and lost against Fiorentina it was it was a very memorable run we had some memorable nights didn't we oh definitely That to be fair that was probably the 
the most memorable time, like Nuremberg, remember the fans there, that game, that was the night like Victor kind of arrived on the scene. And I just remember that, that campaign, as I said, it was, we had a small squad anyway. We'd, we'd get home on a Thursday, we'd stop at the, at the airport, breakfast, and then obviously we were just preparing then for, for the Sunday game, obviously being in Europa League. So that kind of run, just enhanced us as a group of players and, and as a club, like the kind of, some of them games, the memories like last forever. The Fiorentina game, the atmosphere was unreal. A lot of people have said it's the closest that we've had since the 80s, the Fiorentina game. Although it was heartbreaking to lose on penalties. Were you ever going to take a penalty? <laughs> nah, I'm not, that's not me. That's not my role, that, to be fair. Um, but yeah, the, the kind of memory, I remember, like, I think the night before I'd signed a new contract, so I was just like cloud nine. Um, and then obviously knew what was at stake in regards to the game and the, and, and the scoreline. But confident, like, like not, not disbelief, like really believing, oh, we can beat these. Like two, if we beat these 3-0, I wouldn't be surprised. It's not going to be a surprise to anyone. And then obviously the way we performed that night was great. Um, but to lose it like that was, yeah, it's, it's hard. It is hard. Like it's, I wouldn't say... It's the worst way to lose, but it was hard to take. It was hard to take. The following season, we get to the FA Cup final. And after playing Macclesfield, we, we did it the hard way, didn't we? You've been involved in a few cup runs, but goodness me, Liverpool, Villa, Borough, yeah. Man United. I know, <laughs> yeah. The toughest routes. Yeah, but probably the toughest game was probably Macclesfield. We just scraped through. Was it Ozzy that scored in that game? And I remember, like, we... We stayed, was it Matrim, I think? It wasn't far from there. And we, the changing rooms were so small, we had to get changed in the hotel and put our tracksuits on over the top. And then obviously just get to the stadium and just, just take our tracksuits off. So preparation wasn't normal for that game. Um, and, and we didn't play well. We didn't play that well. But um, obviously to, just to get through. And, then, and at that point, I don't think anyone's thinking we're getting to the final. Um, I think that only really crept in after, after Liverpool. I think once we've realised we can beat them and obviously to an Evertonian, that's the biggest game. There's, there's, we shouldn't fear anyone. Um, and I think we rode our luck a little bit in, in, the, uh, in the semis against United, but we kind of come out of it on top and pleased for Jags. We was all pleased for Jags, I think, obviously after the back of the Florentina heartache he suffered. He takes that personal, obviously you'll know Jags and he can, he take things probably a bit too personally at times, um, but to kind of, him to have that moment was great. When you look back at those penalties, everybody was surprised when James Vaughan stepped forward, but he took it away smashing. Everybody was a wee bit surprised when Phil Neville stepped forward. And then everybody was a bit surprised when Jag stepped forward. But what I think what that did was just sum up the strength of character within the squad at the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, if look, looking at them and hearing them names, probably only Vaughan-y. But again, he was a confident, like young player. He, he he had no reason not to kind of believe he could he could take and score that penalty. Phil experienced, so I expected that. And Jags was a good penalty taker, regardless of what happened before. He was a good penalty taker. So them two are kind of expected. Um, but Vaughan, yeah, he was. As I said, I'm sure everyone will know how kind of dedicated he was to the club at the time. So it didn't surprise me that he wanted to take one anyway. I just knew I wasn't taking one. I've spoken to a few people <laughs> about the FA Cup final and everybody says when Louis Sahar scores the goal, 
straight away you're thinking, wow, but very quickly you're thinking, mm, it's a bit early to be fair. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. And, it, and what surprised me was, like, they had kickoff for the game. And they obviously went back and passed it and that. And then we score. And they have kickoff again. And they do the same thing. And I'm just like, have you not realised we've, we've just scored? Or you just don't... Don't care. Then that phase, and it was like, oh, that was like kind of a eye opener for me to feel that they still believe they're not going to kind of change. And because when teams go long and stuff, you kind of you know they're struggling. You know they're kind of like kind of nervous about it. But they were just like, nah, we'll just get it. We'll just pass and probe and and do what we do. And I think that that time that Chelsea squad that them them days was was ridiculous, weren't it? To be fair, it must have been terrific to be a part of that squad, Jonan, because we've mentioned characters. You've already mentioned Tim Howard, you've mentioned Jags, Bainsey, Phil Neville, Ozzy, Pinar, Louis Sahar. Terrific guys, left, right and centre. Yeah, as I said, lucky. Like, friends with a lot of a lot of players I've played with at every club, but that group of players, like, really genuine, close to or more still, you know what I mean? You kind of, when we see each other or when we speak to each other, the text or social media, it's a genuine embrace, like, obviously, then played with Stevie and and worked with, with the gaffer at Sunderland. So to see how different he was, because I'm sure everyone will tell you, when, when he first come, he was so quiet, didn't speak, didn't like kind of interact with anyone, probably shy and that as well. Um, and he, he sat he sat next to, so it went me, Bainsey, Stevie P. And Bainsey just, just like, used to annoy him every day until he broke him, basically. So I reckon for about six months, he just harassed him and then that was it then they become really close and obviously playing together as well they become really close as well so yeah it, it, that was a fun watch when we finished the FA Cup final Chelsea have beaten us did you were you aware or was it on your mind that you'd played possibly played your last game for Everton um yeah well no I wasn't thinking it was the last game but you kind of hear um rumors but it wasn't any more than when I was at Wolves coming to Everton. So I just didn't get carried away or anything. I hadn't, hadn't spoke to anyone about anything. So there was no reason for me to believe it was going to happen. Obviously, that was the time when City were investing. So they were linked with everyone as well. So it wasn't like it was just me kind of thing. So I wasn't dwelling on that. I think it was the first pre-season game back that season. That was when I kind of realised it was serious. I think it came up on Sky and I think, I don't even know if there was a bid before the game or there was something around that time. And so that was kind of when it was it was serious for me. So because up until that time, I just came in, obviously tried to get fit for pre-season and me and the manager hadn't spoke about anything at that point. Was that a difficult summer for you then, Julian? The summer, nah. The situation was difficult, but the summer was fine. I just didn't, as I said, I, I was... I was happy with what was ha- what was happening. So if it didn't develop into what it became, would I have been disappointed because at that time, I didn't know what City were going to be. I was playing regularly for Everton. I was in England squad. So at that point, and not knowing what City were looking to do, and obviously I don't think they'd signed the players they signed that summer yet. So I just kind of went about my summer as I do, go on holiday with the family and enjoy that. And then came back, they'd signed players. Obviously, the interest was genuine then in, in regards to me. So the, the hardest part was the kind of 
making the decision that I wanted to do it because obviously that was that was then me going to the manager and saying I want to leave and that was kind of I never had to do that before I'd only moved once and that was when both clubs were happy to kind of let it happen um, and I knew this was going to be a dis different circumstance so that was hard and the initial conversation with with the gaffer was the hardest and then after that it get, like anything it, it would just get easier um, and easier kind of thing so it just kind of happened that way and the outcome of it was what I wanted I'm not going to deny that I, I wanted to go and I'm grateful that happened because it, it led me to, to winning t titles and stuff like that but yeah the, the way it happened wasn't great and I'm not necessarily say I'm innocent in everything but I wasn't as guilty as as projected to be you know what I mean it didn't it didn't have to be like that because me and I feel the Everton fans had a great kind of um, relationship the rumors had gathered pace and the whispers had reached the crescendo when the Premier League season started and the, the first game of the season against Arsenal when we got beat 6-1 I mean that couldn't have gone worse for anybody but it must have been particularly difficult for you given the circumstances surrounding the fixture oh definitely like um I remember going to see the manager that week saying like we'd had multiple conversations like about me wanting to leave. I'd spoke to the uh, to the, Mr. Chairman kind of thing, Bill Kemwright, and I kind of said to him that was the case. Um, so going into that week, I said to the gaffer like mentally, I'm not, I'm not. This 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 game isn't for me, and it's not Arsenal. It's just I'm not right ready to play this game. And he was like, Well, you're gonna play if you're freezing to play then we've got a problem. I said, I'm not refusing to play. I'm just making you know that mentally there's things on my mind, you know what I mean? Like, and he was like, okay, well, you could play and so prepare to play. I said, that's fine. So I remember getting to the game and honestly thinking, do not be at fault for any goal. That's all you've got to do is do not be at fault for any goal. And I said, I wasn't thinking about winning, losing. I said, do not be at fault. Do not make any mistakes that let allow Arsenal to score. And I know it was 6-0 and I, as a defender, like, you don't want that. But honestly thinking, I couldn't done any more for the goals that went in, you know what I mean? So in that sense of it, I was I was okay. Like, with the way I kind of approached the game and stuff like that, obviously the result was was horrible. Um, but again, I don't know if that played into everyone just scrutinising, oh, well, it was his fault. We lost 6-0 and that was kind of because he wanted to leave. I'm like, hmm, I don't think that was the reason. But even even to the point where I think the gaffer thought, yeah, that will happen again. So let me take him out of the squads now. So after that, I wasn't obviously, I wasn't in the, in the squad. And that led up to like the most difficult like week. Not because obviously it was my last week, not that I knew that was going to be the case, but like before the game, so we were prepping before the game and I get a call to go and see the manager and he was like, uh, and I, at this moment in time, I know no more than I've known the previous weeks. I'm taking you out of the squad, you're not involved, you go and train on your own. I was like, okay, so... What were the rest of the players like with you at this at this juncture? Because the banter and the human in dressing rooms can be absolutely ruthless, can't it? Yeah, it is. And to be fair, like, there was no one, no one kind of discouraged or kind of was in a negative, showed any negativity towards me to wanting to leave like I, did, I wasn't disrespectful I wasn't they knew I loved training I loved playing so if if selected or training with them I was going to give everything I had so there was never a question of that and it was kind of okay go and do that kind of thing and 
as I said, at that time, what City, my thought process was, I'm 27, coming up to 27. So in regards to what City want to do and what I want to do playing-wise, career-wise, their ambitions match mine. Like, we was, Everton wasn't trying to, like, we hoped to break into the top four. We wasn't trying to break into the top four. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like, it's going to be now or never because if you don't do it, it's highly unlikely Everton are going to kind of bridge that gap that and, and go into that next tier that, that has to happen. It didn't happen overnight at Manchester City, did it? It was still a work in progress for the football club, even though they had a lot more money than they were used to. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think that's a lot of... A lot of clubs struggle with that. Um, like, you can assemble a group of players, but it's not, not necessarily going to mean a great team. Um, but I think we kind of had a manager which worked at that time because because he'd assembled us all, we all had a massive respect for him and the abuse and the stick he took and the club had took on the, on the back of recruiting us all from whatever clubs we were coming from. We were deemed to be the next kind of, like Chelsea situation, weren't it? When you're just going to try and hopefully buy success where like, I think Chelsea were probably happy that City had come along and, and done that. Obviously in hindsight now and probably thinking, no, we're not that glad. But in regards to what it meant to their kind of, perception and what we were doing um but again we had a tight-knit group just for that reason because everyone that was there we were only deemed to be going there for money it wasn't titles it was only money and in the second season we won the FA Cup so it wasn't it, as much as it, it looks kind of long like teams will take that now assembling a whole new squad and within 18 months or two years you're going to win the FA Cup and in three years you're going to win the Premier League like it doesn't happen that easy, does it? So I think like everyone, the visionaries of the owners, especially that was like ridiculously impressive. Like what is happening now, they were telling me was going to happen. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. I'm not sure it's going to happen as soon as you think it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's happening. You're like, yeah, this is why you do what you do. Manchester City have obviously done a lot since the investment came into the club, but all the supporters, I would think, if they could take one game with them, it will always, always be that Queen's Park Rangers game at the Etihad. Is, is it hard to put that game into words, Jolien? It's hard. Um, I, watched, I watched it back a few weeks ago to start a lockdown, really. It was, um, did some for Sky and recapping. And like, that's probably the first time I've like, watched it, watched it. I've seen it on a couple of times never watched it and I've done one thing on it and it was highlights so it was like 15 minutes but I'm like I don't feel comfortable watching it now and talking about it it's not something if it came on now turn it off like it's it's a horrible game to watch not because of my involvement in in, in one of the goals but and it wasn't until we got Vinny on and Zabat and they were saying the same things like if you look at the standard of the game in the second half the panic the kind of randomness that was going on it, it's not enjoyable like but the outcome of it is 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 different. So to kind of pull up that emotion and, and draw on that, it's not something you prepare for. Like you, if you picture yourself winning something, it's not like that. It's not with that kind of so close to cover. You don't think, oh yeah, we're going to lose it and then we win it. You just think, you just picture winning it and, and feel that emotion where to have the kind of so close to not doing it and then coming back and winning it was, was hard to take at the time. But something you look back on and be like, yeah, amazing. A stoppage time ebbed away. You must have thought 
We've blown it here. It's too late. <laughs> I didn't know how long was left. I didn't know, as honestly, until about two years ago, how late, how late Edin Dzeko's goal was. Like, I thought that was around like 84, 85 minutes. And then someone said, no, that was like the 91st minute. I think if I would have known that, then it would have been a panic. Because I'm thinking no one, barring United, people don't score two goals in the last minute. You know what I mean? So it was, yeah. I think if I would have been more aware of the time, then definitely. But I don't think anyone knew or thought about it. It was just do what we have to do. To win Premier League titles and win FA Cups, it must have been part of your own justification process to think to yourself, yeah, I did make the right move. This is what I moved for and I've done it. Oh, yeah, but it was never like a ha-ha moment. I told you so kind of thing. It was just, that's what everyone dreams of doing. And I can't honestly say I dreamt about winning the Premier League growing up. The FA Cup, yeah, you dream about winning that and you dream about playing for England and playing for your boy uh, hometown club and stuff like that. So that, but it wasn't until, you like, I wasn't even thinking about winning the Premier League whilst I'm playing in the Premier League. It was just like, oh, yeah, let's just... Just play well, and then you, I went to City, and then it kind of becomes realistic, and you know that's the target and the aim. That was when it was kind of like, yeah. So to look back and say I've done that um, is massive, but it's you appreciate it more when you retire. At the time, you just kind of go on and get it on with. When it's all said and done, you look back and think there's some great players that haven't done that, so I must be one of the lucky ones. Absolutely. From Manchester City, it's on to West Bromwich Albion. You've mentioned Alan Irvine before. Was he a was he a big pull in you going to the Hawthorns, Julian? Massive, massive. I'd uh, obviously worked with um, Mark Hughes, um, but there, but only brief. I'd got injured, and then it was Pellegrini. Uh, no, sorry, Mancini, Pellegrini, and at that time we had Fabio Capello uh, as an England manager. So I, my my decision was going to be based around working with a British manager. Um, that understood the mentality of the British game more so than any other um, any other mentalities of other leagues and stuff like that. So that was kind of my decision process was based around that who who what British managers are at what clubs and where can I go. So I'd spoke to um, Stoke was Mark Hughes. I'd spoke to Steve Bruce at Hall and I spoke to was it Sam Allardyce at West Ham I think. Um, and then I got a call, I was on holiday, I got a call from Alan and he kind of said his thing and I was like, let me think about it and then I weighed up what it looked like and it made sense and it wasn't, I didn't think too much in regards to what that looks like to Wolves fans and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way but it was Alan Irvine who I knew I could trust and I enjoyed working with. It was Keith Downing who was my youth team manager at Wolves. It was Robert Kelly who was my um, youth development officer when I first joined Wolves so them three people I knew I could trust them more than most in the game you know what I mean and I knew I'd enjoy working for them um, so that was my decision process was these guys I didn't really look at the squads I didn't look at the kind of stadium or the location it was just like I need to enjoy it I want to enjoy it again more than anything else I've done what I've I've done in the game. I'm not no greatest respect to West Brom. I wasn't going there to win titles. I was just going there to enjoy football again, and and that's where I felt I could do it the most. Was your move to Aston Villa the case of your heart ruling your head because as a boy you'd been a Villa fan? 
hundred percent. That's all it was. It was a uh, again. It was uh, West Brom and Michael was at Villa and said, uh, "Would you would you be interested?" And I was like, "What? I'd bought there." Like and bearing in mind when I was leaving, that was another club I was going to. I was spoke to um, Paul Lambert, and that was a club I wanted to go to the most. So I'd spoke to Shay Given at the end of the season. I said, Shay, like, can we make this happen? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I spoke to the manager. I said, I'm coming. I want to come. Like, more than anything, I want to come. And then I spoke to the sporting director at the time. We'd spoke about deals and, like, all the clubs had offered me the same. Like, so everyone would offer me the same. So I was like, that's fine. So I kind of knew where I was in the market and stuff like that. So it wasn't about money. And I said, well, this is what these clubs have offered me. Um, and he said, well, this is what we can offer. I was like, that's a lot less, um, but I'm willing to go to there. So I'll take less than all these clubs. I'll, I'll come. I just want to play for Aston Villa. And he said, no, you have to go down to now. I was, I was like, why that? He said, well, we've got Philip Senderos here that is willing to sign for that amount of money. Um, or you can come. And, and I was like, you're going to have to sign Philip Senderos. I said, I, I want to come. I, I think I opened it up too much to sell them knowing I wanted to go there so bad that they were willing to just do it because the following year when I went there they paid two million for me which I didn't have to do obviously at the time and I was there on more money than I was willing to take a year 12 months before you know what I mean so I think I kind of shot myself in the foot and just being so open but in regards to the move like I just wanted to play for Aston Villa that was that was again like I said growing up that's the dream that is it wasn't to win anything. It was, can you play for Aston Villa? That was my team. So um, to have the opportunity um, was massive for me and the family and stuff like that. And it just, the outcome of that was, yeah, we got relegated. Obviously not great, but the way that happened was, that was worse than the situation leaving Everton. I know different circumstances, but the way that was kind of played out was horrible, like, because it wasn't personal. It wasn't necessarily just... I get that I was going to be... I was part of the problem in terms of on the pitch. But my... Like you know, Dan, my family come to every game. And now we're in a position where they don't have to travel. Like, they just come in around the corner. And they couldn't go to the games because of the abuse I and they were receiving. Which I'm, I can take. But they were receiving it. And I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't deal with that. What about AK Athens? Where did that come from? Well, that came from like this. My so Villa were gone down, and um, and again, this was this was another thing. Like everyone that knows me knows, regardless of ability, forget that my commitment and dedication to the game and professionalism could never be in question. No one could ever question that I would take the mick or t- take advantage of any situation. And that was what was being portrayed at me with dad, new owners, new coaching staff. So we did, um, we'd, we'd, they come in and we'd went on pre-season and then we came back and I was told I wasn't going to be in the squad. So I wasn't even going to get a squad number. I'd have to go and train in reserves. So I was just training with the reserves and it was coming close to the end. And I was like, <sighs> bearing in mind the January of that year when we were in the Prem, I could have left to go to LA Galaxy. That is like my dream move. That's like, that's probably bigger than Aston Villa. <laughs> um, but I would have had to kind of force the move through. And I was like, I don't really want to do that. I don't really want that to be my legacy at Aston Villa, like forcing a move and the club getting relegated. So I thought, you know what? I'll just let it play out. So it didn't happen. Um, 
So now I'm training with the reserves and that, and I'm like, this isn't me. This isn't, I just want to enjoy football, like regardless of what it is, I just want to play. Um, it was like the last day of the window and the options due to the kind of restriction that Villa had put on it, I wasn't allowed to go to the championship because if I was, I would have walked back to Wolves. And that was another club I was I was interested to go into leaving Man City, but they just wasn't in a position to offer me any kind of contract. It wasn't about any kind of money. They were just like, we're just not in a position to do that. So if if Villa didn't have that restriction on me, I probably would have went back to Wolves that 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 um that year. But that was on there and obviously Premier League teams were obviously had their, their squad set up and then like I got called cool to say this is an option. You kind of have to make the decision within twenty four hours. So I looked at it and was like, I can either do that or play for Aston Villa reserves. For and I was like, that's my my wife was like, that's not that's not you. So kind of do it. So I just made the decision to go over there and doing that made me instantly have way more respect for foreign players. <laughs> it's that is the hardest thing I've ever done. Ever like being being away, I'd, I'd never been away from the family. Like even when we moved up north, they came, and to kind of to not see them. Like I think my wife came over with me, and then I went three and a half weeks, and I'd been in tournaments, and it wasn't, but it just wasn't the same. So I'd been away the Euros, and we was away, and but it wasn't the same as that. It just what it didn't feel right, and um, I remember like. Because the weather was so like the conditions were so hot, so some mornings we train in the morning and then we wouldn't train until the following evening. So I'd go home. I'd come. I'd come home for like twenty hours. I'd just I'd just try and get home. I'd, and because of the time difference, I'd, I was able to get home, get them kids from school, have dinner, put them to bed, and then I'd go back and then I'd fly overnight. Um, with the time difference, it was like a four-hour flight, but day before I was ahead, so. By the time I'd landed, I'd have to go straight to training. And I would, I'd just do that, like every opportunity. So there was times when I wouldn't see him for like three and a half weeks. But there was times where I'd probably see him twice a week because I'd just do that twice, you know what I mean? And just get home and, and see the family. So then obviously I got injured there and, and they were kind of making like the rumours about clubs over there and all that stuff. It's true. It's like, I remember getting, a game got called off um, because... The referees kind of association had that the, the the building got burnt down because someone didn't like a decision, <laughs> so they burnt that. But so like it was, it was like as random as you think. Yeah, it is that. You know what I mean? Like the lads were telling me over there. It's a funny story. Like the year before, it was Gus Poyet was manager, and uh, they got to the FA Cup final. They're equivalent to the FA Cup final, and uh, on the way to the game, so they had a pre-match got on a coach. The game gets called off because of the fights so they cancel the game 10 days later same thing on the way to the game gets called off again wow so they said the third time they just had to they had the to play the FA Cup final behind closed doors because the fans it was against Olympiacos so the fans couldn't be in the game I was like that could happen that, that. so like that kind of happened there and then they kind of made it clear they didn't want me to be there whilst injured I was only out for like four weeks so it wasn't a long time but I was like I was ready to come home I was really I'd like my Granddad was ill at the time, and I was just like, "Yeah, let's just let's just call it a day." And I came back, um, stayed fit, um, and then got the call from from David Moyes in, in that January, 
Was that out the blue? Yeah, it was totally out the blue. I was obviously I was waiting for the window to open to kind of see where I was going to be at. I was still under the restriction of I wasn't allowed to play um, in in the championship because Aston Villa were in the championship, so I wasn't allowed to play for a team in there. Um, and then I was training with um, City's twenty threes at the time, just trying to stay fit and make sure. And obviously, the standard like was a decent standard. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, I was just training there and just obviously working with the staff and stuff like that. And that was great. Um, it just kind of got me back into a routine and the standard was good enough to kind of wherever I went to, it wasn't going to be that far. You know what I mean? Um, and then literally got a call out of the blue and we had a, we've, we've seen each other. We'd seen each other since that, but we hadn't really had an in-depth conversation and... I was like, okay, so I, I drove up there to kind of speak to him and did a fitness test and I'd, I'd made sure I was fit, like, because again, even though I'd played so many games throughout my career, the question mark was still about, is he fit enough? Is, is his knee okay? And all that, that was stayed with me forever. So I just made sure I was in a position like I'd, I'd gone away for the New Year's. That was the first Christmas I'd had off. Me and the family went away New Year's and stuff like that, and we went to a uh, we went to Dubai where a lot of lads go in the summers. So I, I trained with a guy that does a lot of players, and and he he had a lot of tests on the walls and stuff and routines and and programs. So I made sure I could compete, and my times weren't like dissimilar to the ones up there. So that was I felt good. So I went there, did a fitness test, and literally signed the next day. And I was like, okay, this was this is where it's at, and. I think it would have been extended if they stayed in the league, but their their situation they were in was yeah was a different situation. But it was it wasn't as bad as as I thought it was going to be. Having been in a Villa situation and then going to AK, Sunderland wasn't that bad, <laughs> you know what I mean. So that was like I don't know to Sunderland fans they don't want to hear that, but to me, I'd like I was getting to spend four nights at home. I was like training. I knew kind of what was happening, you know what I mean? So it's them things to me, things we take for granted here, like they were the things I appreciated. What was David Moyes like, Julian? Had he changed as a manager? I think so, yeah. But I also think I changed as well. So we spoke a lot more um, and kind of, I think he developed that skill to have conversation. But I also, my personal opinion was he didn't have someone around him that he could trust enough. Not that he couldn't trust the staff there. He didn't have that relationship like an Alan. I was probably as close to him as anyone else was there where that wasn't ever going to be the case at Everton. Like him and Alan, like, you know what I mean? That's that's his guy. So I think he missed that to kind of soundboard. And I know he knew the coaching staff, but it wasn't the same as, it didn't feel the same. Obviously the circumstances again were different anyway, but I also think like most people, like everyone's, he probably had probably been dented with the situation that led him to be in Sunderland. So I think if you look at him now, he looks a lot more like himself and sounds a lot more like himself than he did then. You know what I mean? I know he'd, he'd, he'd spoke some interviews there early in that season, speaking about how difficult it was going to be. And I think there's, there's going to be things he would look back and think, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. But it, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't our I remembered him from Everton days. It's a fascinating story, Joel. And just bring it up to date. What are you up to these days? You're obviously still involved in the media. We see you uh, 
doing your punditry from time to time. Anything else? Yeah, I um, I work at Man City now with uh, the loans players. So it's funny because a lot of the players I trained with when I was there, I'm now kind of helping mentor and manage them players whilst they're on loan now. So um, we have like, we have what is probably eight, nine members of staff in our department that kind of do that. Um, yeah, and we just kind of manufactured the whole account. So what it looks like, um, the development areas, how the conduct side of it, the relationship with the club, the player, the manager, because like what people don't realise is for a 19, 20 year old lad, one to move away from home, probably having never done that would be difficult. Learning a new language, difficult. And then to find yourself out of the team, because you're not going to be a regular at 19. Not many people are. To have that conversation with a coach is different. You know what I mean? It's difficult as well. So I kind of help that process while well, we help that process and also manage the expectations of the clubs because clubs see they think they're getting a Man City player. And we're like, if he was a Man City player, he wouldn't be alone. He would be in the first team. You know what I mean? So it's just managing and also managing the player's expectation of this isn't Man City. Like, it's different, you know, you know what I mean? You've earned the right to be at Man City up until now, but now you need to go and earn the right to be in the first team. So we're just managing expectations of all areas around it, really. And you're enjoying it, obviously. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. Like, and it's weird, and I might sound cheesy saying this. If I didn't know it was a role. I didn't know that was an actual job before I kind of got asked to do it. But if I could have picked something, it would have been that. Just to help lads understand one what it takes because everyone can play until they go and play everyone's ready to play in the first team until they get out there and realise oh it's more difficult than I thought because you're not used to the crowd jeering you if you miscontrol the ball or anything like that you don't get that in academies and stuff like that so doing that and, and helping them develop and I had someone luckily he was at Wolves though at the time Terry Connor he was like my mentor so to kind of offer that support to other people is is great. And just final word, you still look back on your time at Everton with with huge affection, don't you? Oh, hugely. Uh, this is the fact that I can still call you and have a chat about anything, you know what I mean? And and people like that. I think I think it was probably Sean Kitman that probably hurt the most. I think I remember seeing him after I'd moved and he didn't <laughs> speak to me. Like he he like but I remember that and I and I understood, you know, he, that was allowed, you know what I mean? Sure, good guy at that. So I thought, yeah. It's okay, but everyone else kind of, I still speak to. I spoke to Jimmy uh, last week, actually. We had a little discussion about them like, winning the league and that, you know what I mean? We kind of vented our frustrations over WhatsApp. So, yeah, no, like, fondly remember it. And as I said, have no regrets throughout my career and especially not at Everton. <laughs>